When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am back, and today it's Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock, and we are going to come up with ways to fix the Browns during the bye week. We each throw out one suggestion, and we discuss it. So that's coming up on the Orange and Brown Talk pod. Uh, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you've got to get on board. The bye week's the time to do it. Go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Get that daily newsletter delivered right to your inbox. Become a part of our text subscription service and, of course, get access to those stories on cleveland.com that say subscriber exclusives. You can get into those. Just become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash browns. Again, the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the info and get signed up. All right, let's do this. Our Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Let's get to it. Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and I are going to try and fix the Browns or do something here over the bye week to get this team right. We're each going to throw out uh, one thing that we would do to fix this thing before the Browns play Baltimore on September 12th or on December 12th. I've lost all I've lost all sense of time. I think it's still September, <laughs> apparently. Mary Kay, what would you do to fix this team? You know, one thing that I would do to fix the Cleveland Browns right now, they didn't really have an opportunity to do it very much in Baltimore, Uh, but I think they can do it more after the bye week. And that is use more of Kareem Hunt, uh, not only in the running game, but the passing game on some screens and different things like that. I know one was supposed to happen in the Ravens game and it didn't, but um, And then I would also put those guys together on the field. We don't often see Nick and Kareem together, and we haven't. And I don't know why they don't do that more often. They're two of your best offensive players. You're two two of your best offensive weapons. And um, and you can, you know, you can split one out wide. You can put one in the slot. I mean, you can do different things with them. Actually, I think Nick is catching the ball better this year than he has before. He worked on it hard in the offseason. So you can kind of mix and match those guys a little bit with that. Uh, You can run the wishbone like Freddie did. Um, So there's all different kinds of things that you can do. But I think if if there's one place that they can go to find some offense and get something rolling, it's with Kareem. More Kareem on the field in any way that you can get it. Oh, this is this is right in my wheelhouse, Mary Kay. I've been, <laughs> you know, I've been banging this drum since probably before Kevin Stefanski got hired. I know you've been high on Kareem ever since he signed here. The guy just causes matchup nightmares. Mm-hmm. He's a problem. When he comes on the field, you've got to decide as a defense. Do I go heavy because they might run the ball? Do I go light? And then the Browns can kind of do the opposite. He just causes so many problems. And because he doesn't have to be the primary back, there's just so much freedom with what you can do with him. Like he's not just a running back. He's really kind of just a weapon. And it feels like at times they haven't fully explored it because they've really been sticking to this idea of they want to 
keep that one, two punch going, Nick Chubb, and then Kareem Hunt comes and finishes it off. And, you know, we've seen that be effective, but at the same time, I'm thinking back to when the Browns played Baltimore on Monday night football, Kareem was a problem in that game. And I think that was his best receiving game that he's had as a member of the Browns and he'd get a linebacker on him and they, they run wheel routes and he got two big pay, plays in the passing game. I, I think he's kind of that on a team that needs somebody that can go win some matchups, especially down the field. He, he just might be that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, and this will go to the larger point I'm going to make later when it's my turn, but like, I would like to see some more flexibility with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I mean, like we heard Kevin Stefanski on that last drive when he gets asked why neither of them are in the game and you're running with the Ernest Johnson there. And he's like, well, normally that would be Kareem because that's what the situ- situation dictates. And obviously he's more versatile in the past game than the Nick is, but like, that's fine what analytics say, but on some level it's like, okay, but you still have Nick Chubb. Like I would love to see some more versatility there. And, you know, with Kareem specifically, I mean, that it's really difficult to not have anything but optimism surrounding him and wishing they could use him more. And I think what's so impressive for me over his career is just like, he's always kind of been like this. He was like this in college. I mean, like the Toledo football program has essentially lured other running backs there to say, look what we did with Kareem Hunt and look how involved he was in the past game here. We can do that for you too. Like this goes back a long ways and he hasn't lost any of that. And teams still in the NFL cannot really figure out, I think how to stop him effectively. So yes, Kareem Hunt all for it. Well, the other thing I think to to consider about this too is uh, the next game obviously will be a home game. He will have had another almost two full weeks to to heal up from the calf injury. I don't think he was really ready to play. He played, what, something like 23 snaps, I think it was, in that game. Yeah, uh, yeah 23. And so, I mean, that's not much. Obviously, we knew that his calf kind of tightened up, and that's why he wasn't in on the two-minute drill uh, somewhere where he would normally be in there. Uh, but I think for um, – he does have a nice love affair with um with the hometown fans and we've heard him mic'd up before and it's very fun to hear him uh mic'd up and talk talk about how excited he is to be playing for his hometown team uh what it feels like for him to be in first energy stadium stadium so i think he'll be able to bring a lot of emotion a lot of energy to that home game i think he's going to feel a lot better and um and I, I just think that, oh, I know what else I was going to say about this, is the fact that they do like that one-two punch because they like to keep Nick really fresh for the fourth quarter so that he can rip off that 50-yard run or that 70-yard run. But now that you know that you have Dearness Johnson that can go in there and gain some yards for you here and there, you still can use Kareem and Nick together at times on the field and give both of them a rest with a little bit of well-placed Dearness Johnson. So I still think that you can then get Nick going downhill, although it's going to be hard again, because these Ravens sort of uh, have the Browns number now in terms of stopping the run, or at least they obviously did in the last game. Uh, But I think you can keep Nick fresh in other ways, even if you put him and Kareem on the field together. Yeah. And when when this team plays the Ravens in two weeks, I I don't know if Baltimore is going to do the same thing, but, you know, it's, it's kind of like, we, we don't see this a lot in football, right? There's no series in football, but you know, if, like if you watch the NBA playoffs, it almost seems like the team that loses has a little bit of an edge going into the next game because they're the team that gets to adjust, right? The team that wins, they'll make adjustments, but they're going to kind of keep doing what they do until it doesn't work anymore. 
So the Browns are going to have a little bit of an edge in the adjustment game here because the Ravens, I'm sure, are going to go right back at this with the idea of, hey, let's make Baker beat us again. Mm-hmm. And if, if Baker does, if they can get that screen game going, if they can get something going with those running backs, maybe they maybe they spread it out a little more. You know, I know they like to like line Nick Chubb up wide and they like to line Kareem Hunt up wide. Maybe we see a little bit more of that to kind of at least spread that Ravens defense out and not allow them to be able to attack as much. And I do think that Kareem Hunt would unlock a lot of what they need to do to make sure the Ravens can't just blitz Baker Mayfield constantly and make him uncomfortable and basically make the pass game unable to function. Yeah. I mean, I think it will also be hard because as we now know that um, Jack Conklin is out for the, for the remainder of the season uh, with the torn patella tendon in, in his knee. And I think that they really took advantage of that in the last game. And I think they will do that again and they'll use, you know, they'll use their exotic blitz packages and the things they do. And they did a really, really nice job. I mean, these guys had no answer for Tyus Bowser. He had like a career game. Um, but, um, but I still think that, uh, and I think other things will be a little bit better too, including Donovan Peoples Jones. I think he will be more recovered from the groin injury. And I think he will make more of an impact, but, um, but I still think that there are things that you're going to be able to do with those two guys and that they will be able to run the ball better. Ashley, when you look at the Jack Conklin situation, I mean, that is sort of a part of this and now it's going to be Blake Hans. I, I guess it, does it feel hopeless over there? Is there, is there a way the Browns can scheme around that? It, it feels like maybe but that happening in the game is difficult. You got to make adjustments in game, but that's difficult. Maybe they can kind of scheme around that somehow. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it just is so hard. I think when you lose a guy like Jack Conklin, who number one, obviously we hear, we hear everybody say obviously how awful that was to watch and everyone knows how hard he worked back to come from that elbow injury, which I think Kevin Stefanski said, like he did not think that was going to be a week's long recovery. Like that's something that easily could have stretched into to months. Um, so I think that's not good, but I mean, he's an all pro tackle. Like you can't really replace him. So I think like to my larger point of kind of what I wanted to say, what I think needs to happen is they need to figure out what works best for this offense as it currently is with the players that they currently have based on who's healthy and what ailments everyone from Baker Mayfield down the sideline has at this point. Um, but I think you, this is not the time to be living in, I think like Doug said on Sunday in Kevin Stefanski's ideal world and this ideal offense that he would like to run. What I really want to see from him is to make those adjustments based on what is currently available and how can they best put Baker Mayfield and some of these rest of these guys who are dealing with injuries or being asked to learn on the fly while they're playing, like in the case of somebody like Blake Hans, what can they do to put them in the best position for success as a unit? Okay. Ashley, you teased it a little bit. Uh, what, what is the thing you would fix here in the bye week? It's essentially that everything I just said, I think Kevin <laughs> Stefanski and the coaches need to sit down and figure out, okay, how can we maximize our two best offensive players currently as things stand right now are probably Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. How can we make them most effective when other teams know we're running the ball? When we saw everything the Ravens did, putting 10 guys up on the line of scrimmage, more and more teams and defenses are doing that against the Browns. 
So I think you kind of have to go all in on that now. If we'll see how healthy Baker Mayfield is, obviously, with this week off. But I really think they need to do what they did in 2020, which was sit down and get rid of a bunch of stuff that wasn't working and figure out what works and how can you get those guys the ball? How can you maximize what they're doing? Um, and, you know, let put them in the best position to, to run behind Joel Batoni and Wyatt Teller and get those pools because obviously the Ravens were doing some things that was preventing that from happening. So I really think it, it's all about that. It's this offense needs something. It needs a spark and it needs some changes. And I think re-examining the playbook is the first step in that. You know, and in, in, um, in talking about that, you guys, uh, one of the things that I think that needs to happen, and I don't know uh, how this could happen when everybody sort of dispersed after today, but I actually think that Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield need to, to put their heads together and lay all their cards out on the table and kind of get on the same page with what they want to be doing and whether they have to do it via zoom or whatever they do. Uh, I, I think that they need to have a, a meeting of the minds and sort of figure out what does Baker want to do and what does Kevin think he actually can do um, of those things that he would like to see have happen. Because I do think uh, that there has been somewhat of a disconnect between those two. And maybe Kevin Stefanski is calling the game uh, in, in a certain way at certain times because of Baker's health, because of other people's health, because of the tackle situation. Um, but whatever the case may be, I have sensed uh, just a little bit, and I've talked about it on the pod, I've just sensed a little bit of something going on there, something that just doesn't feel comfortable. And you're quarterback has to feel comfortable and confident in order for him to to operate effectively uh, a good baker mayfield is the moxie guy the, the flag planting guy you know you need that guy and in order for him to feel that way uh he needs to like really tell alex van pelt and kevin stefanski what he needs and what he wants then it would be incumbent upon them to say look, you want us to open it up and take more shots downfield, but we can't really do that right now because you're not having the time to throw the ball like that. Or look, you're not accurate right now. So we can't call more of those plays because you haven't been the same ever since you put that harness on, you know, I mean, like they just need to lay it all out and say, you know, here's what, here's what we can realistically do. And I think there should be opportunities um, for things to get a little bit better. If we do some of things, if they do some of the things that we've talked about, like a little bit more Kareem, I think Donovan will be better. Anthony Schwartz will come back. And even though I think it's late in the game to try to get a ton out of a, out of a young rookie whose whole season has been pretty much a wash because of injuries and concussion and all that, um, still having him on the field gives you an opportunity to send him on some go routes and try to stretch the defense a little bit, even if, you know, even if it doesn't necessarily work out and maybe you have to work, use more Jamarcus Bradley deep, you know, I mean, like something like you have to find a way to accomplish uh, the passing game uh, in some way. But I think it, it requires really just that big powwow between Baker and those guys. And, and I think that, I mean, it almost sums up once like one of the big problems with the offense right now is the realistic solutions are Anthony Schwartz and Demarcus Bradley. Mm -hmm. that's, yes. that's a scary thought. Uh, you know, I, we haven't seen a lot from Schwartz. I, I just don't know. He, he doesn't appear to be a polished enough receiver yet to be that threat, but you've got to think he can get loose for something. 
at, at some point, but it just hasn't happened, obviously, when he's been on the field, at least. And, and Bradley, you know, has, has been a nice player and he's, he's gotten his opportunities, but that's tough. And, and I, yeah, that disconnect Mary Kay is really interesting because it almost felt like last year they did as much as they could to take that gunslinger out of Baker Mayfield because the turnovers were a mess. I mean, he went through that stretch. Obviously, his first two years, he threw a bunch of, of interceptions. And then he went through that stretch from the second half of Indianapolis to that Pittsburgh game and even the first quarter of the Cincinnati game. And he was throwing interceptions like crazy. Mm-hmm. And they kind of were able to take that gunslinger out of him. But now you do, you do want to find that mix. You don't want him slinging it around like he was the first two years, but you also don't want to put him in a box either. So I, I think that's really kind of the tough part. It, it really is because um... – I think they they see that he's just off enough this season that if he starts slinging it around, uh, he's going to have a lot more than than six interceptions. But they have to find the sweet spot. Six isn't enough right now because they need to get him rolling. They need him feeling good about himself. They're not going to go anywhere until they get Baker Mayfield feeling better about himself. So, I mean, I actually think that's job number one. The defense is going to be okay. I think the defense has figured out how to get some takeaways and some interceptions. And if they continue to do that, then they'll be in pretty good shape moving forward. But they've got to get their quarterback feeling good about himself. Job number one. I almost feel like, and I know we've talked so much about like the the atmosphere surrounding this team and the vibe. And Dan's always saying, you know, it just feels off. Like these guys just need like a giant group therapy session. And I know that's not going to happen, but like they do. I mean, it's something that this X factor is just not there. And this, these delicate balances with these personalities and kind of like what we're talking about with Baker right now, like you need him to have that attitude. I mean, I think that's part of what makes him fit in Cleveland so well. And it's part of what made 2020 so like memorable and successful, especially after the bye week last year. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't envy the having to to solve all of this and mesh all these personalities. But um, and I know time off is important for them, and obviously that's what bye weeks are for in part. But I think like it, them sticking around together could do some real good too. Although I also don't know if it would hurt for like Jarvis to go to Miami for a few days, and you know, I mean, the, the defense has been playing well. John Johnson to go back to LA for for a couple of days, or for these guys to almost get away from each other too. I, I think mm-hmm. they. I mean, you might be right. They might need to just lock lock themselves together in a room and just yell at each other for a couple hours. But yeah, maybe I getting mean, time, a, t- time away could be just as valuable to it all of this. But yeah, I don't know. It's just something hasn't felt <laughs> totally right. I don't, I don't think, and I think that's not a secret. That's something we've talked about repeatedly uh, here. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see like what all that's like once they once they come back. If getting away from each other did did help some of that, I don't know if it will, but it'll be interesting. Dan, do you remember at the end of last season um, or, or when last season was over, uh, I, I ended up talking a fair amount about the fact that uh, they played some pretty bad defenses down the stretch and some bad teams down the stretch. And I felt like I was being Debbie Downer about all that, right? I felt like I was just that dissenting voice that kept saying, you have to look at the level of competition because if you don't take that unflinching look at that, then you're going to make or not make decisions on your future based on what you think just happened. And you have to be realistic about it. And I was 
very concerned about the fact that uh, that they kind of got into a little bit of a comfort zone thinking that they their offense was everything they needed it to be last year and that they just then needed to go over onto the defensive side of the ball. Well, they were running the ball against bad run defenses and they were passing the ball on bad passing defenses. And, uh, and I think that it's showing up this year. They, their last half of the season this year, there are no gimmies. The Detroit lions were their only gimme. I mean, every single game from here on out is going to be very, very difficult. And that's the difference between this year and last year. And I think they got on easy street a little bit and they kind of over evaluated what they had and what they were and may not, might not have done enough uh, to improve either the, the offense, the personnel, the play calling, the scheme, whatever. I mean, the scheme, when, when, when they came back this year, things just didn't seem different. Did they? I mean, it's just in terms of how they call things or did things. I'll, I'll say it felt different, but it felt different in a different direction. Yeah. In that they, they kind of just, they, they got bigger. Yeah. Offensively. They, they haven't gone, they haven't opened up the offense. They got tighter, right? They run more 13 personnel. I think they still run significantly more than anybody else in the league. Um, I mean, they, they don't play the the fullback very much anymore, but they almost went the opposite direction than we thought. Right. Not not, not to the extreme, but yeah. Part of that may, may have been out of necessity because they lost Jarvis Landry for four games and Odell Beckham Jr. didn't show up for the first couple of games and then he wasn't himself. So maybe, you know, maybe it was just, you know, a matter of they had to do that a little bit more than, than they wanted to, because I really thought that they were going to play a lot more three wides and that they were going to be, you know, just a little bit more suited to Baker's skill set in that way. Maybe some four wides, you know, (laughs) and, and it just, it didn't really turn out that way, but it's just been a weird receiving core year all all the way around yeah and you know the other thing too last year was they they got rolling downhill a lot against Tennessee you know even in that Monday night game against Baltimore against Pittsburgh in the playoffs I mean it just got rolling downhill and this team has always been the last two years when things are going great they just pile it on against Dallas but when things aren't going great they struggle and they, they, they struggle to kind of find that momentum. And we've seen that over and over again this year. And kind of the secret of this year is they haven't beaten anybody outside of Cincinnati. And when they played the best teams, New England ran them off the field. Arizona ran them off the field. You know, Baltimore didn't run them off the field, but Baltimore did shut them down. And, and Baltimore is kind of a weird, funky team anyway. So, yeah, I'd, I, kind of along those lines of what you were saying about last year, Mary Kay, this team – hasn't really shown they can go out there and beat really good football teams yet. Right. Uh, outs- outside of that, that Cincinnati game, which I guess we'll see if that was just a weird game or maybe they'll beat them in the season finale too. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I wonder if that trend is continuing. here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that game, the weird thing about that game is, is Jamar Chase going to play that bad again? I mean, that was a horrible game for him. And if he does, they're going to have to be ready for it. I think that, the way that the the Browns defensive backs covered him and shut him down, it just, it just freaked them out. 
And I mean, are they going to get three inter- or three turnover takeaways again in that game? I and mean, when the defense can get the takeaways, they, um, you know, this team can win games sometimes, <laughs> not Sunday, but, um, but I wonder about that when I look ahead, you know, that far ahead to the Bengals game, I'm like, are they going to do that again? Shut down Jamar Chase like that? And if so, are they going to be ready for it this time? It's going to be interesting. That's going to be an interesting game. Well, and it's like we talked so much after that first Bengals game about if Denzel Ward doesn't get that pick six, what happens <laughs> just on the first drive of the game? So in theory, it's a chance to test out that hypothesis, hypothesis like with that second game in January about um, how, how key that was and how the Bengals, you know, if they don't have that adversity right off the bat to respond to, what the rest of that game looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, so it's, true. it's scary because that game has become the outlier now. Yeah. Like, like we thought that game would kind of be, okay, they got everything figured out. They Maybe this Odell stuff was true, and and now that game has been the outlier to the extreme at, at, at this point. Uh, okay, I guess I got to come up with something to fix during the bye week. And I actually do – I'm going to say this because I think it's worth the discussion. I don't, maybe you guys talked about it um, on the HamK hey pod too, but I, I just – I'm starting to agree with Doug here a little bit, and it's got me nervous. <laughs> I, I think if you're going to say that you're going to try everything and the quarterback is out of the question, I almost do think you have to just see what happens if Alex Van Pelt is calling the plays for a week. I, I'm kind of in the what do you have to lose? And I'm not even convinced that it's going to fix anything. Like, I, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, everything's fixed if Alex Van Pelt calls the plays. But I do just wonder, like, what does it hurt for a week to just get a different voice in the headset? Like, like who, who does that hurt? Kevin? Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's the head coach. I think he'll be fine. I don't know. I, I almost – desperate times here. you got to go four and one over the, these, last, these last five games. You, you've got you to at least go into it thinking you have to go four and one. Maybe nine and eight will get you in, but you've got you've to get to ten and seven. Well, I mean, you know, you could actually do that without announcing that you're doing it because they're both in the headset anyways. Uh, Nobody would really know per se. I mean, you could kind of get away with with Alex really taking a lot more responsibility in that without necessarily announcing it or or putting a name to it. So uh, I would be in favor of that. I don't know if I would be necessarily in favor of saying, okay, that's it. Alex is calling the plays now because what if it goes really, really bad? And then you have that, you know what I mean? In this crucial stretch, and then you would have to take it back. So having him more involved in doing it, uh, I'm all for that. And I think Baker would be all for that. Um, But actually naming it, I don't think I would be for that because what if it, um, yeah, what if it just flops miserably and then you'd be like, oh, never mind. Let's let's switch that back up again. I'm taking that back. Yeah, I think as long as they're if they are discreet about it, kind of like what Mary Kay is saying, which like that wouldn't be the first time something like that has happened, I'm sure. <laughs> and I think you do have to try though, because like we hear Kevin Stefanski all the time after these losses. He says that he has to be better. And again, I'll say it again, like he's falling out his sword like he's supposed to. But if you're saying you're not going to give over play calling and you're saying Baker's your guy and it's ludicrous to think about switching him out for Case Keenum, 
what else is there to change besides like taking an in-depth look at the playbook, like I was talking about, or actually seeing if it is better with Alex calling these plays. And again, you got 12 guys on the field multiple times on Sunday night. There are things overarching that Kevin Stefanski needs to worry about that if he is 100% in that play sheet, he's just not going to be able to because he's one person in the middle of a game. So yeah, I'm kind of with you, Dan, like it, you got to try something. There has to be something there to fix because obviously this offense is not the finely tuned machine that they would all like it to be right now. So that might be, might be a solution to see if, you know, kind of what else is there that we can change to maybe get a better handle on all of this. Could, could they do the Kansas city thing? Would that make a difference if Kevin is still the play caller, but Alex Van Pelt's in the headset, like, Kansas City does with Andy with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. I mean, maybe does, does that make a difference, Mary Kay? Would that change anything? I, I think they kind of do it that way now. I think that Bill Callahan and Alex uh, are collabing uh, on game day, and they're kind of in this in the headset. Are, are there are they in Baker's in Baker's headset? That I'm That's not what I mean because sure. Bieniemy sends the play at least he has in the past. Bieniemy oh. sends the plays in to Patrick. Yeah, well, if I call him Patrick, like he's my best friend, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. Is that does would that make yeah. a difference? Yeah, I think yeah, that could make a difference. That could make a difference. I think let's put it this way. I agree with you that they should let Alex have more say just to try to shake it up. They should let Alex have more, somehow have more responsibility or more input on game day in play calling because there are times when it looks almost like the scripted plays are going okay. And then it goes to hell in a handbag. So something needs to change. And um, so, yeah, I think that um, I think it's definitely, definitely worth a try and probably will be discussed. And, you know, Kevin did say when we asked him yesterday that he's, he's not turning it over to Alex. He's keeping it. He doesn't mind the way that it's going. Um, but yeah, some things have to give, and that's at least one thing that you can do. What about, I mean, he also said, there was another thing he said he's not going to do. Uh, are you guys completely opposed to trying Case Keenum? Anybody think that's a good idea? No, I don't know for a lot of the same reasons we've already talked about. Like, the sample size on case this year is not very big, first of all. And obviously in that Thursday night game, that was a lot of Dearness Johnson being the hero in that one. Um, I don't know if he gives you a ton that Baker right now in his current state doesn't already. And I'm also curious with obviously some of these issues Baker were having were contusions again, which can, can heal unlike the torn labrum, which would require surgery to get better. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think benching Baker could have a lot of ramifications potentially. And if case doesn't work out, then what? Um, I think if you were going to bench Baker, it was before when he was a bit more beat up, like during the lions game, which I think was a legitimate conversation to be had. And they would have had the injuries to kind of fall back on at that point and say, you're a little too beat up. We need you for these two Ravens games. Just stick it out this week. It's not a necessity. We can, have case go in there and hand the ball off to Nick Chubb and, you know, be fine. So that's kind of where I think I've evolved on this case or Baker take. Yeah. D Doug is going to be mad that he missed, like this has turned into the emotions yes. podcast on so many levels. He's going to, this be is mad the conversation he, he was so excited about the possibility of on Sunday. Yeah. I, 
I think I agree with you, Ashley, that they've kind of missed their window. That that going to Case now is a, is different than if you would have gone to him a few weeks ago. It's not because you the the message has been Baker is getting healthier than than he's been, right? And from a football standpoint, as much as I'm not like enamored with Case Keenum, and I don't necessarily he's not better than Baker, but I'll just I'll never forget I tweeted out when, when Baker got hurt against the Patriots, you know, I tweeted out the story with him saying that he was going to play next week and somebody replied, Oh, good. I wasn't sure where I was going to find a quarterback who could throw for 73 yards next week. (laughs) That's sort of where we're at with Baker. And and again, I don't know if it's the injuries. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. The football performance side of it is kind of like, you're not getting a lot there, but I, you know, his case going to be better. I don't know. He's probably not going to be worse, but I I think you're right. I, I think you kind of, I think you're kind of to the point where it's Baker or bust at, the, at this point, the rest of the way. I did think, I mean, I know his accuracy against the Ravens still wasn't perfect, but I did think just by watching him that he maybe like the lower body stuff looked like it maybe wasn't bothering him as much. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into a game I watched two days ago, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I mean, I did think he did look different than the Lions game a little bit. And again, the accuracy was not ideal still and his numbers were not ideal still but I I don't know I do kind of believe a little bit that maybe he felt better out there from from what we saw yeah I think so too I think he's feeling better it wouldn't make sense to me to do it now I think it would be weird uh to let everybody heal up over the bye week to change everything uh to to pull it all apart the way that they're going to do and then come back and say okay now we're going to start Case Keenum uh If he goes out and has an absolutely horrible game and cannot function and is throwing it all over the place and gets picked off three times and they lose the game against the Ravens, then maybe you would think about it. But coming out of the bye, you have to give him an opportunity to save the season and they can still save the season. I mean, it's right there in front of them if he can get it together. So I would not do it now. I would absolutely not do it now and I wouldn't have done it the only time I would have done it was um after the Cardinals game when he revealed that he had a fractured uh humerus bone in the shoulder and you know I talked to you know a doctor about that and uh it could be very very dangerous if those bones shatter okay it was a clean break at that point it was just a line and it was not something where you're going to have little bone fragments all over the place and if that had happened where it, it turned into that, uh, then you're looking at a pretty intense surgery to, re- to try to repair that with different, you know, hardware and stuff in there. So that was the time where I thought, you know what, you got to let that bone heal up a little bit before you send him out there again. And I did write that I thought Case Keenum should start after that. I, I even thought that he should consider shutting it down for the season. Um, but the bone, you know, the bone heals after about a month and it's sufficiently healed now. So that's not an issue. And then the heel and the knee. I mean, what quarterback at this point is not dealing with some significant things. Aaron Rodgers is playing with a broken toe. Matt Stafford just said, you know, he's got, you know, a laundry list of things and uh, you know, they're all pretty hurt at this point. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the thing, like it's football. Everybody's banged up. Quarterbacks are banged up. You know, Baker's obviously really banked up, but 
if, if you're out there playing, there has to be an expectation, right? With Matthew Stafford, there has to be an expectation that he's going to go help his team win games. Baker, Russ, Russell Wilson, you know, he's playing with the finger, but if he's out there, he's got to go help the Seahawks win football games. That's just, that's the expectation when you're playing hurt. All right. I don't know that we fixed the Browns. I thought we'd come away from this podcast feeling like we fixed the Browns, but I don't know if, uh, I don't know if we did that. So hopefully Kevin is having more productive, more productive meetings with his staff this week than uh, what, what we just did. All right. Uh, here's our schedule for this week on the podcast. It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, Thursday, you're going to have got to watch the tape like normal. And then Friday, we're going to bring you kind of a round table, get you through your weekend. We will not have a podcast on Monday. That would normally be the post-game pod. So the next pod you hear, the first pod you hear next week will be uh, the Hey Mary Kay pod on Tuesday. So just so you know, that's our schedule for the bye week here. Uh, give everybody a little breather on the weekend. I'm not going to make you all get together and do a post-game pod with no game. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed and those will show up right on your phone or whatever you use to listen to your podcasts. Uh, get subscribed to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay and Ashley, I will talk to you later. Sounds good. <laughs>